0: Hello and welcome to another edition of the UK Law Weekly Podcast with me, your host, Marcus Cleaver. This week we're going to be looking at the case of the Crown on the application of A and Secretary of State for the Home Department. The citation for this case is 2021 UKSC 37. And I had considered covering this case and the next case together because they are both judicial reviews concerning policy documents that are issued by public authorities. The justices of the Supreme Court even said that they should be considered together, but the facts of each case are quite different and deserve consideration by themselves, so we will keep them separate, but this will be something to bear in mind this week and next week as well. In the proceedings, the Appellant A is a child sex offender, and the argument centres around something called the Child Sex Offender Disclosure Scheme, That was set up by the Home Secretary to allow police forces across the country to coordinate their response to requests for information about the sex offending history of someone who works with children. This scheme exists within the Child Sex Offender Disclosure Scheme Guidance that was lawfully published by the Secretary of State in line with her common law power. However, that scheme has been challenged by A before, and he successfully had the rules amended so that the police were reminded to consider whether any person about whom disclosure might be made should be afforded the opportunity to make their own representations. For A, this did not go far enough, and so that is where this most recent judicial review has its origins. He suggests that the guidance should instead specify the circumstances in which a police force is obliged to seek representation from the subject of the inquiry. A was unsuccessful in the lower courts, but now brings his case to the Supreme Court, which is where we pick things up. Now, most law students are probably aware of the famous case of Gillick and West Norfolk and Wisbeach Area Health Authority from 1985. The decision is mostly used in the context of whether or not children should be allowed to consent to their own medical treatment, but here we are using that seminal case to consider whether policies issued by a public authority are lawful or not. In simple terms, a policy is unlawful if it sanctions unlawful conduct of a person to whom the guidance is directed. As such, the court has the relatively easy job of comparing what is in the guidance against what the law requires. The Court of Appeal instead used the Tabac case from 2014 to see if the guidance was inherently unfair, but the Supreme Court confirmed that Gillick is the correct test to apply. After all, issuing these policy and guidance documents remains a matter of discretion for the public authorities, but they can nevertheless be useful for promoting good administration. The Supreme Court's attitude is clearly that such guidance documents are there to be helpful, and so their publication should be encouraged as much as possible. If they were subject to detailed legal scrutiny over the meaning of every word and sentence, then it would deter the assistance that they provide and overwhelm the courts with review claims. Within the Gillick test, there are really only three situations where such policies or guidance might be found to be unlawful. Firstly, where it includes a statement of the law that is wrong, and will cause a person who follows the guidance to be in breach of their legal obligations. Secondly, where the document is produced as part of an effort to provide accurate legal advice, but fails to achieve that goal. And thirdly, where the document purports to outline the legal position, but misrepresents it in some way. Taking all of this into account, the guidance in dispute during these proceedings is not unlawful. It informs the police about seeking representations from the person may be subject to a disclosure, and while it does not go into detail, it was held that this itself does not make it unlawful, and none of the documents are misleading in any way. One of the other important things to consider was the human rights question around Article 8 and the right to privacy. This is a proportional right, and that means there can be an interference with the right to privacy, quote, such as in accordance with the law and is necessary in a democratic society in the interests of national security, public safety, or the economic well-being of the country, for the prevention of disorder or crime, for the protection of health or morals, or for the protection of the rights and freedom of others, end quote. Out of those various exceptions, being in accordance with the law is probably the one that is used least often, but it is the one that applies here. In order for something to be in accordance with the law, it should have the qualities of certainty, accessibility, and predictability in application. However, there are a couple of problems with the argument that the guidance is not in accordance with the law. For a start, the guidance does not itself seek to replace the law. Beyond that, the human rights requirement for something to be in accordance with the law does not mean that things have to necessarily be spelt out in complete detail. There is room for manoeuvre, and there simply has to be a reasonable degree of predictability. All in all, the guidance in this case satisfies the human rights requirements in Article 8 too. A also challenges the guidance on other principles of law, but with no more success. It was questioned on the basis of inherent unfairness and access to justice, but it was held that this was not a separate test to the Gillick test that we already mentioned earlier. It was also argued that the policy created a significant risk of unlawful treatment, but the prohibition on this only applies in Article 3 cases so as to prevent torture and inhuman or degrading treatment. Overall then, A lost their appeal, and I think that is broadly the right decision. The government and other public authorities produce a lot of policies and guidance, and so it is helpful that the Supreme Court has used this week's case and next week's case to examine this in more detail. Ultimately, the justices have chosen to apply what is pretty much the lowest standard available to them, i.e. as long as the guidance does not actively promote something that is against the law, then it will not be considered to be unlawful. There is an argument that public authorities should be held to a higher standard than that, but I would suggest that they already are just in relation to the actual law. If a public authority breaches the legislative rules, then judicial review can and should be used to hold them to account, but guidance documents are precisely that, guidance. They are helpful for public servants who are trying to do the best they can, often in difficult circumstances, and so discouraging the production and publication of this documentation would actually hinder good public administration. I hope you will join me next week when we see how this reasoning will be applied in another controversial area, immigration law. Well, thank you very much for tuning into this podcast and thanks as ever to bensound.com who provide the theme music. A quick reminder before we go that if you'd like to support the podcast, help to keep it ad-free, you can subscribe to my newsletter and earn yourself some nice perks, including more content from me each week and a free ebook on how to answer essay questions on a law degree. If that sounds like something you're interested in, then check out the link in the description to this podcast episode. Anyway, I'll be back with another episode next week, but for now... Bye